there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes, who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs, choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, and I'm joined on the phone this week by my co-host, Brian. So this week, Brian and I are going to be talking about the 2016 British-Canadian-American horror film uh, <laughs> called The Void, which uh, is on Netflix and it was directed by Stephen Kostansky and Jeremy Gillespie. Uh, Brian, have we watched more of an international film in the past than, than this one? This is thrice, well, twice international. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I know. That's This is like when uh, you would ask like a, a kid when you were young, like where they're from. And they're like, well, I'm 20% uh, German and like 30% uh, Scandinavian or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. We got to divide this movie up into percentages. Yeah, I know. Well, how do you get a movie that's British, Canadian and American? I guess you just get all those people working on it together. Wait, as a kid, you know, I think I still do that. The <laughs> you still say that? <laughs> ethnicity, yeah. Ah, uh, man. You know, that that's one thing I missed out on as being a brown person. I mean, I'm just 100% brown. I never get to say I, Yeah, that. as you said that, I was like, oh, man, probably a, a white people thing to an yeah, extent. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like this, when I, when I saw that about this movie, like being like all these different nationalities, uh, that kind of reminded me of how, how kids would claim that diversity back in the day. Yeah, but gl- glad you glad you're keeping that trend going. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so this film it stars uh, Aaron Poole, uh, Kenneth Welsh, and uh, Daniel Fathers and Kathleen Monroe, uh, which who I think they're basically all Canadian actors, right? I think so. Yeah, from what I saw. Yeah, and uh, it's basically the story of um, kind of uh, like a cult thing going on at a remote hospital. And the gates of evil opening up. It's, it's a story about like a few people being trapped in a hospital on a very bad night and, and uh, getting started <laughs> by a few things. There's, there's a lot going yeah. on here, I feel like. I'm sure that's what they wrote about in their journals after. <laughs> yeah. A very bad night. That was a terrible night at that hospital. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's so many things going on here. Do, do you have uh, a sense of, or well, had you heard about this movie before? I'd seen it pop up on Netflix quite a bit. And yeah. uh, it's got an intriguing cover. Oh, yeah. What is the cover? Is it like tentacles or something? If you can call it a cover on Netflix. It's kind of like this big glowing orb with tentacles about. Uh-huh. And like a person standing in front of the... It looks like a void like oh. opening up. Yeah. Interesting. And so so it was definitely relevant to the movie, though? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I, I saw it... It, it was... Um, it came up on my Netflix a few times, and I saw it was on a few people uh, who we know that like watch horror movies, like they had it on their uh, lists, and so I, I think it's gained a good amount of credibility and and uh, you know a, a reputation. But uh, it was I, I tried to watch a preview for it ahead of time, and it was just kind of hard to tell what it was really about. I, I don't know if you had any idea going into it, like what this movie was going to be. No, as usual, I try to have no as little idea as possible when I go into these movies. Oh, wow. So you go completely, you like to go in completely blind? Yeah. And spoiler alert, I feel like I went out of it completely not knowing what was going <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that because I, I got some really big questions on what, what actually happened there. Yeah. Uh, what what genre would you say this was? Uh, It's interesting. It's a monster movie, but I feel like there's kind of this subgenre like a gateway to hell subgenre. Yeah. 
like Event Horizon might fit that. Mm-hmm. Hellraiser. Yeah. I kind of wrote down this is Hellraiser meets Silent Hill meets The Thing. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw Silent Hill, but I definitely got you on those other two. Yeah, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm not the first person to say any of that. Oh. I think <laughs> a lot of, that's a lot of the critical consensus. Yeah, yep. And I think it was kind of like an homage to The Thing. Oh, and yeah. And like old... I, I saw some references to John Car- John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. You ever seen that movie? I haven't. Nope. Me neither, but... Maybe that's one. Some people were comparing it to that. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I definitely saw the uh, similarities with the thing. I mean, I guess this was in in ways that was it was a bit of a monster movie at parts, right? Yeah. Um. Then there was like it was kind of a cult movie at some parts, where you had for sure random cults, and then yeah, totally a gates gates to hell, other dimension type of film. Um, Yeah, and I like that about it that it's got all that in there. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty ambitious. I feel like most movies like pick one of those. I, I, I think, I think, I know normally we don't talk too much about how we feel about the movie ahead of time, but I think maybe it suffered under the weight of that ambition a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could see that. It got a little bit ahead of itself. I realized that this year we've seen well, like three or four Canadian movies. Now, is it? Does that sound right to you? It sounds about right. Yeah, like um. Uh, was Videodrome Canadian? Yes, it was. Yeah, and I, I thought there was some some similarities with with Videodrome. Cause I, I thought there was some body horror in this. Would you would you think so? Oh yeah, for sure. Good call. Good call. Yeah, so some body horror going on, which which was heavily used in Videodrome. Um, and then uh, I, I do see some similarities, like with uh, the other Canadian movie we saw, which was um, that Christmas anthology, uh, a Christmas horror story. Was that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, just something about the dialogue or, you know, there's a part here where they go into a basement and they're, like, kind of creeping around. It just, um, I think there was a storyline in there that, that reminded me of that. There was, there was something, like, innately Canadian about this. Hmm. Maybe. You, you don't you don't pick up on that with these Canadian movies? You don't, like, feel like there's something that's not quite uh, the same as what you would expect from uh, a Hollywood film? I think I do, but like for this one retroactively, because I didn't know it was Canadian when I watched it. Yeah. I guess that's the case with a lot of them. I kind of retroactively realize. I, j- I think that I struggle with the fact that I can't quite put my finger on what is so Canadian about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I do think you're right. Yeah. That, that is what's so Canadian about it is you can't put your finger quite on it. Yeah. That's the Canadian thing. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what it is either. I, I mean, I think you're right. A lot of these movies, like, I, I, the same way, like, I, I watch them, I don't know they're Canadian, then I'll read about it, and uh, I'll, I'll find that out. And then suddenly, like, it'll make so much sense. Like, oh, yeah, Canadian. But I don't know. I don't know. Who knows, man? Yeah. I Maybe mean, we'll pinpoint it if we just keep doing this. Yeah. Well, I, what are some like the best Canadian horror films? I mean, the, the only one that I think comes to mind, like Ginger Snaps, I think that was a Canadian one, right? I think it was, yeah. I don't really know many Canadian ones off the top of my head. I mean, David Cronenberg is Canadian, so I'm not sure how many of his are Canadian productions. Yeah. Um, and what films did he have again? He did The Fly and... Video drone, obviously. Yeah. Drone. Oh man, you're putting me on the spot. I can't remember now. What uh, else did he do? Um, I don't know. That was. That was I think that was the, the Brood. Oh. Yeah. Which we haven't seen. 
Um, okay, so Cronenberg is obviously a big part of the Canadian horror story. Um, other, I guess, big ones. Uh, there's there's a movie called Black Christmas. Apparently, that's Canadian, which I feel like that name sounds very familiar. That is a good movie. That's a slasher movie from the seventies. Ooh. That like kind of predated Halloween as a setting the standards for slasher movies. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to watch that sometime. Uh, Junior, yeah. Junior Snaps. Did you ever watch Pontypool? No, but I I need to. Did yeah. You, have you seen it? I think I saw it. It might have been when we were taking a, a brief hiatus. I might have yeah, gone and we saw that one. Broke up and got back together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I cheated on you by watching a few scary movies. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that, that that was a good one. It also kind of reminded me of uh, this one a little bit. Um, and, and again, Christmas Horror Story, because it's like a guy in a radio station and like some crazy stuff's going on outside. And in, in this one, it was kind of similar, like these people in a hospital and the stuff going on outside. Uh, well, I guess most of it was going on inside, but um, I don't know. Maybe there's something Canadian. This movie made me realize how many horror movies are about people trapped in a place. Yeah. Yeah, that's a like isolation is part of the formula of a horror movie, right? Trap trap people somewhere. With yeah, the, like with Dawn of the Dead was people trapped in a mall. Yeah, right. Um, um, trying to think about the Living thing. Dead was people trapped in a house. Yeah. Why do I forget every movie in the world <laughs> once we start talking? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I think you're, I think you're right. I think that's. What was that one? Oh, the Wicker Man was a guy stuck on an island, or in, yeah. in, a, in a country. Yeah, there's all some form of isolation. The Shining, they're stuck at the hotel, and the weather's bad; they can't get down. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's this like sense of not being able to escape. Yeah. Uh, even, and granted, that's not every horror movie, but it's definitely a formula. Yeah. Uh, Alien, maybe even like the thing. The thing they were kind of stuck on uh, in an Antarctica. Was that right? D- yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Alien's a good example. God, that movie's so good. Yeah, yeah, that was a great one. So interesting backstory on on this one. Did did you read up on on like the directors and the creators of this one? Yeah, a little bit. So they they have like this company, I guess that's that's done a few movies in Canada, and usually it sounds like they focused in on like the comedy, action, horror genre, which makes me think like yeah. Evil Dead or something. Is is that what you equate that with? Uh, to an extent. Evil Dead is so unique to me. But yeah, it's a horror horror comedy seemed to be their bag. Astron 6, I yeah. think that's what the production company is called. Right. Yeah, and uh, some of the titles on their old other movies like Manborg and Father's Day gives, gives you the sense. Yeah, they that, almost look like Grindhouse type stuff. Yeah. Yep. What's the difference between Grindhouse and, and B-horror movies? Hmm. I think they could be kind of one and the same. Yeah. Grindhouse, to me is a little bit more exploitation. So mm. deliberately gory or sexual. Okay. Or violent. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas B movies are just kind of bad bad scripting. And cheap B movies effects. I think can be, I think B movie is just a low budget movie that isn't like an art house film. So I think B movies are cheesy um but not necessarily super like exploitation violence and sex and stuff like that sure yeah okay yeah, that, that, I'll, I'll, I'll buy buy that that makes sense um but and then this is kind of like the first serious movie that this uh production group decided to do 
and mm-hmm. um, and then and then it was, they like crowdfunded it, right? Like and raised. Uh, they made it on a budget of eighty two thousand. Is is that right? Is that right? I didn't look at the budget number. That seems pretty low for. That can't be right. Yeah, maybe. I don't know with the, with the amount of effects that they had here. I mean, that, that's how much uh, they quoted as being crowdfunded. So I don't, I don't know if maybe they got a match or if they took out a loan and did something else. Yeah, but um, that's that, that's pretty cool. This movie was crowdfunded. Yeah, that is cool. I don't, I don't know. Have, have we seen any other ones that have been like that? I mean, the, the only other big movie I know would be like Deadpool. I think uh, the original was crowdfunded, perhaps. Was it really? Uh, either the original one was, or the YouTube series was, or something. There was uh, crowdfunded. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool concept. Yeah, and, and not something you see done too often with with these like bigger theatrical productions. Yeah. Um, but so you haven't seen any of the, the other movies that these guys have done. I haven't, but they kind of piqued my interest. Yeah. Interest. Yeah, I'm 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 on some up with some of those titles. Um, did yeah. you recognize any of the actors or actresses here? I did not recognize a single one. How about you? Actually, the the old guy who was the doctor looked familiar, but I'm not sure that I actually knew who he was. Yeah, he he did look familiar, and, and when he talks, he's familiar. He's I think he's had the most uh, transnational presence. Would it be transnational <laughs> if he's Canadian and he's in the U.S.? Sure. <laughs> I guess. Uh, he yeah, he was in Twin Peaks. Yeah, which is a big deal to a lot of people, but I have never seen it. Hey, me neither, man. Maybe we should start a club where we watch Twin Peaks for the first time, since everyone else seems to have seen it. I think that might piss some people off, actually, if they listen to this show and realize we've never seen it. People are pretty uh, into that show. That's true. Maybe I should edit this part out. Yeah, and drop it. <laughs> <All right>. uh, <laughs> and then he was in The Aviator and Day After Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which are those are pretty big, big films. Yeah. They're pretty good. Um, and yeah, I think he was like the biggest actor in, in this film. I, I definitely didn't recognize anyone else. Yeah. Although, uh, you've gone on record as being a Sex in the City fan. Um, Ellen Wong, who played Kim, was yeah. a character in the Carrie di- Diaries on the CW. What is, is that like a spinoff from Sex in the City? Yeah, it was like a Carrie in high school. And, and yeah, I guess she was also in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is a pretty big uh, series. Yeah. And she was in Glow. That was that. That was a pretty big one that came out last year, or the year before. Yeah, yeah. I think it's still going. I imagine it's probably just in between seasons. Yeah. Did you watch that series? I didn't. Did you? Um, I did. Yeah. It was the wrestling one, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was it was, it was pretty fun. It was, it was a good one. Nice. That wasn't too bad. Uh, yeah. So it's it's an interesting film that uh hit, hits on it as as you mentioned a lot of different uh, types of horror. And then it's there's like a sci-fi component here, which which we'll talk more about later. But do you like think these types of like are you scared by by sci-fi or like by things about like other dimensions? Like, do you find any of this scary? I found this a little bit scary. The gateway to hell thing kind of scares me a little bit, just because there were some people. There were a couple scenes in this that stuck with me as scary. Yeah. Uh, I think if they had explained less of it, it would have been more scary. Yep. Yep. Sci-fi stuff isn't like monsters and stuff isn't. Yeah. I, I think it makes, can make for a scary movie, but I think what you and I have talked about before is that feeling of being afraid when you turn the lights out to go to bed that night. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't that necessarily doesn't happen to me very often. Yeah. With, with monsters or with sci-fi, right? 
No, I think like supernatural and like demonic type stuff is the only thing that makes me feel that way. Yeah, yeah, likewise. I I think it's tough to do a really good scary movie if if uh, yeah when you start talking about like like going to hell and and monsters and stuff like that, like the physical hell, of course. Um, that, that that stuff I feel like is tough to make really scary in, in film. Yeah, I don't know, man. Event Horizon scared the hell out of me when yeah, I was a kid. I know, me too. I, I and I, I kind of want to watch it again because it's been a long time. But what what could have been scary about it? Were, were there any were there monsters in it? No, it was just kind of like possessed people, like people who had gone to hell and come back. Kind of like, do you remember when they found that video of what happened to the previous? Yeah. Crew? Yeah. They were all just like going nuts and there was a dude holding his own eyeballs. Yeah. In his hand warning them. Yeah. In Latin. Was I, it yeah. That was creepy. That I, I remember like trying to really like pause those scenes there. Um Yeah. I, I think yeah. That that was pretty graphic. Yep. I and that's like basically like all I remember of that film, but it, it would be interesting to go back and try to see it cuz I I just feel like yeah, anytime you try to do sci-fi, it, it is it is a little bit harder to give it the same kind of scares that you would get in like a supernatural or ghost story or something. Yeah. Um, I learned a new term in this film, uh, or in reading about this film, uh, that I was inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. Do you know who that is? I do. Yeah. Lo- is Lovecraftian the term you learned? Well, yeah, Lovecraftian would be the term. Yeah, but it's based on this guy, Howard Philip Lovecraft. Right? Were you familiar with that guy? Yeah. Really. What, yeah, man. What, what, you, what, what do you know him from? He's just a famous horror author. And from like a long time ago, right? Yeah, gosh, maybe late 1800s. And like, what would he have done that like anyone would know? Or how do you know of him? Um, I'm trying to think of some of the ones he's famous for. I feel like there's one called Diagon that's popular. It's like a book. Uh, that movie Reanimator was based on one of his stories. Uh huh. The story wasn't called Reanimator. I can't think of the name of it now. Yeah, those are the only two I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, interesting. You know how to ask me tough questions, man. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm just surprised you'd heard of him because I've never heard of this guy, and uh, yeah, I, I, his his Wikipedia page is way too long, so I just thought you might know some quick answers. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might that and Twin Peaks might be two things that are showing our <laughs> noobness. Yeah, <laughs> that bounces yeah. back towards the left side of the spectrum. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it makes us approachable. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's he's got a, a really long Wikipedia page that someone should read sometime. But I, I'm just yeah, I'm amazed uh, you knew of him and who he was. Because so I, I think like this movie was inspired based on. Uh, a conversation that the the directors had with Guillermo del Toro, or, or uh, where Guillermo del Toro was talking about doing a movie that was in, that would be inspired by this H.P. Lovecraft guy, and then oh yeah, and so so this movie some distant connection there. Yeah, uh, I read that too. Yeah, and I, I thought it was really cool that uh, these guys for for this movie they they got to uh, I, I guess they were working in proximity or, or someone was like also working on the movie suicide squad at that time, which did you ever see? Yeah, that I read that. I never saw it. Did you? Yeah. So bad. So bad. <laughs> I kind of want to see it for that reason. Oh, you just want to see how bad it is. <laughs> I, yeah. I think you'll be impressed. Uh, cool. yeah. And, and so, but, but they got to like use a lot of the effects from there, which is pretty neat. I, th- I think you could, you could definitely see like a, a good level of detail was put into the effects for this one. 
Yeah, they did a good job with the effects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was impressed. Um, any other like interesting tidbits about the movie before we start talking about the plot? Uh, yeah, so have you heard of that movie, The ABCs of Death? Yeah, I think I've seen an ad for it on Netflix. Okay, so they made a sequel to it. It's basically like 26 super short films, all like with a different letter of the alphabet theme. Wow. Like, how, um, how short of films are we talking? Like, four or five minutes? I don't know. I would guess they must be. I think it's about two hours, so... Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, it's probably about that length. Yeah. But um, this dude, one of the directors here, Stephen Kostansky, directed a short from ABCs of Death 2, the sequel. Uh-huh. And so that was done by this production company, Astron 6. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And... That production company didn't have anything to do with the first ABCs of Death movie, as far as I can tell. However, this is the closest I could get to Northeast Ohio. Okay. A Columbus teacher showed the ABCs of Death to high school Spanish classes. Uh Uh-huh. And was put in jail for it. Really? Why? Why did she get sent to jail? Yeah. Because it was like 14-year-old kids that she was showing i assume there's probably a bunch of nudity and sexuality and horrible violence yeah well i did she have a good reason or was she just like kind of killing time she was just filling time she was a substitute teaching a spanish class oh i see wow yeah which jail time seems harsh but maybe not yeah yeah that does seem pretty harsh <laughs> going to jail for showing someone uh to me well i'll also think uh twice next time i'm hanging out with uh my nieces or anything on what we're watching that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Wow. So that, that, that's the Ohio connection, ABCs of death, tying back. That's to, it, yeah. That's, that's pretty good, man. I was, I was wondering how you were going to tie this one. It's tough with these Canadian ones. I was struggling. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I always keep hoping I'm going to like bump into like someone from Ohio or see something there where this guy was in Ohio this summer or something, but that was, that was a nice work. <laughs> Nicely done. Cool. Thanks. All right. Oh, and Steven Kostansky, that same guy, is going to direct Leprechaun Returns in 2019. Oh, my God. Was the first Leprechaun directed by him? No, no. Uh-huh. First Leprechaun was so long ago. Yeah, yeah. Was that well, like- actually, it was probably only maybe early 90s. Yeah, I was going to say 80s or 90s, but yeah. Well, cool. You want to take a quick break and then come back and uh, we'll talk about the plot and what all went down in this movie, if we can figure it out. Yeah, man, let's... Let's do it. I'm going to skim through H.P. Lovecraft's uh, Wikipedia page. Oh, what are you yeah. going to do? Um, there's a, a guy standing outside in a white robe, and I'm hoping he's here with the Domino's pizza, but I'll find out and let you know. Cool. All right. I'll be right back. All right, man. How you doing? So, what, what was up with that dude? It was a Domino's pizza guy. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently they're switching all the uniforms to, to white robes now. Nice. Yeah. White robe clad or it's <laughs> free? Uh, white white robe clad. Plaid. Cool. What did you say, clad or plaid? Clad. Oh, yeah. White robe plaid, that wouldn't be a good look. No, no. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to see the plaid, right? <laughs> I don't know. Dude, the white robes, I thought that was one of the creepiest parts of this movie. Me too. uh, Yeah. 
yeah that that that's... i'll let you i'll let you go with the plot and then we can talk more about it when we get there yeah yeah sounds good yeah we're definitely just about that but okay let's uh let's go through the plot here and you know as brian mentioned um there was so much happening in this movie um and a lot, a lot of interesting things a lot of kind of confusing things uh but I, i'll try not to get uh too caught up uh in, in the details and try to be kind of high level here as we go along but basically this this movie kicks off with uh, these two adults a man and a woman like running out of this house being chased by these two guys with guns uh and the guy like makes it out of the house and the girl as she's running she gets gunned down by a shotgun and then these two guys who are named uh vincent and simon uh walk up and like while, while she's on the ground they cover her in, in gas and light her on fire and then and then uh, I think Vincent says to Simon, like, oh, he won't get too far, and, re- and referring to the guy who, like, ran away. Uh, and then you see a guy in this in uh, a white robe, you know, face covered, and there's, like, a, a triangle over his face. And that's the end of the intro, right? Yeah, like, black triangle. It seems like it must stand for something. Yeah, yeah, some kind of symbolism or something. Um, so after that intro, I was like, geez, this is rough. Like, they set that woman on fire. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a very, like, I, I thought it was a powerful uh, intro. Like, it, it hits you right in the face. Like, these people are running out, getting shot. Like, there's obviously some kind of cult thing going on. There are these murderers, guys, these guys with guns. Um, I don't know. And the music, I thought, was like, it, it drew you in, like, right away. It was like this really bassy synth kind of horror thing playing and, and some screaming going on. Yeah, it starts off strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and like you have no idea where it's going. So anyway, that, that's the intro. So where it goes from there is uh, there's a deputy uh, whose name is uh, Deputy Carter. He finds uh, that guy who was running uh, from the, away from the house who made it uh, on the street. Uh, you know, he like passed out on the road and he like thinks he's drunk or something. And he like puts him in this police car and drives him to this nearest hospital. And this is a hospital that's like basically been abandoned at this point. Like there's they reference like there was some fire a while ago. And at this point, they're just kind of clearing up. There's basically one patient there. There's a girl there uh, who's pregnant and like in the waiting room with her father. And then there's this doctor, Dr. Richard Powell, who's like the doctor on staff. Um, There's a nurse named Beverly. And then another nurse, uh, what was her name? His wife? Uh, Do you recall her name? Allison. Allison, yeah, right. Uh, so, so yeah, the two nurses there. There's Beverly and there's Allison. Allison was the deputy's ex-wife, and then there's like this intern young girl named Kim, who's just like hanging around there. That that was everyone in the hospital, right? I think that's everybody. Yeah. So yeah, he 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 brings this uh this guy to the hospital, and um you know he thinks he's drunk or something's going on, and uh, he notices the guy has like blood on him, and he's like got in his shirt now. And the, the guy's basically, like, belligerent, and he's, like, kind of screaming, and they handcuff him and, like, you know, sedate him. So then uh, I, th- I think the deputy is just kind of hanging out for a few minutes, and when all of a sudden, uh, I forget, like, maybe you hear some screaming or something, and he walks into one of the, the, the one patient's room, and the nurse, Beverly, has, like, stabbed uh, the patient's eyes out with scissors and was, like, starting to cut off her own face and, like, kept saying, like, this isn't my face, this isn't my face. And then she comes to, like, stab uh, the deputy, and he has to, like, shoot her down. Um, so that was, like, kind of, like, the first scary scene, right? Yeah, and I thought that was a terrifying scene. Yeah, it was it was hard to watch. Like, it was pretty gross. 
Yeah, it was gross, and it was just, like, disturbing and creepy. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that really creeps me out, is when someone is just doing something that they're clearly not in control of themselves. Yeah. Like, they're possessed. Yeah. I don't know. My worst fear as a kid is that something horrible would happen, and I'd run into my parents' room, and they would, like, get out of bed and have, like, glowing eyes, and, like, clearly, like, they were possessed or something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, seeing the ones you love or the ones you're familiar with suddenly turn... Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, what made, like, It Follows work so well. It's, like, it was, like, these these people that that were just, like, kind of following you or possessed and stalking you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's pretty effective. So that's basically what what we assume happens to brother. Like, she got possessed or something happened to her... She like kills this uh, patient and tries to kill this guy. So the deputy shot her. He kind of, you know, he's he's uh, in a state of shock about it. He goes to the bathroom and, and he kind of uh, passes out for a minute and has a vision. And in this vision, I think we start to see some other world stuff, right? Like, do you remember what was in this vision? Yeah, you kind of get the grasp that he's like seeing another dimension. It's just like a really blackened landscape. Yeah. These like clouds yeah, moving think, really quick. Yeah, and maybe he sees some like monstrous or violent images too. I can't quite remember. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if he sees the pyramid at that time or not. Uh, I don't remember if the pyramid like a, came. There's out like at a that black time. pyramid that they show in this other dimension too, but they might not do that just now. Yeah, it definitely comes later. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely it's something you start to see throughout the whole movie. But yeah, I, I can't remember if it came this early or not. Um, but yeah, I feel like at that point you kind of know that, okay, there's some, something, uh, yeah, some kind of dimensional thing going on here. So, um, so yeah, he, he comes out of the bathroom and, and now like a state trooper has arrived and, um, he, he, the state trooper is there because I guess there was like some, uh, like bloodbath that happened like a few miles North. And he thinks that guy that, uh, the, the deputy brought in is tied to that. Um, and so I think they, they're, they're talking about that. Oh yeah. And so at this point, the deputy's like, you know, I need to go call it in that, um, you know, I had to, I had to kill the nurse here. So, uh, the, the state trooper's like, yeah, go ahead, call him. And, uh, and none of the phones are working. So the, uh, the deputy goes outside to his car and that's like where he sees, like he's in the car, uh, calling for help and the line's not really going through. And then he sees like a hooded figure there, that guy that we saw in the beginning with the, the face mask and the, uh, the pyramid on his face. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's just like, you know, what, what, what does this guy want? And, and I think, uh, so he like, he like gets out and like tries to confront the guy and the guy like runs at him with a knife and like basically stabs him like in the, in the, in like the jugular. He, he like, and then, uh, and, and does he shoot him or anything or is that it? No, he just gives him a good stab. Yeah. Oh, the cop shoots him. Yeah, I think. Oh, the cop does shoot him down? Oh. I think so. Or is it no. somebody else who shoots him? Uh, you know, I don't remember, but I remember at this part, the cop doesn't have his gun anymore. Cause that state trooper that came, remember like one of the first things he does was like, you got to give me your gun. Oh yeah. I didn't trust that state trooper in the beginning. There's something like suspicious. Like they kept asking like, how did he get here so quick or what's here about? And, and so I think they were trying to like portray like some doubt into the state trooper character. Did you pick up on that? I think they had a few, like, I think like false trick people like not trick people but people who are giving you the wrong idea yeah yeah they're trying to set you up is that called the red herring when that happens i think so we're pulling a fast one yeah yeah 
I, yeah, I think that was an effective tool they used here, and I think they tried to do that with the state trooper, definitely. Yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah, the the deputy stabbed stabbed, and so he, he like runs back into the hospital, and they like lock lock the door, and uh, the the doctors like stitch him up really quick, which I was surprised. Like he was like bleeding pretty bad, and he like passing out, but then like a few minutes later, he wakes back up, and he's like okay, right? Yeah. Yeah, when you said he got stabbed in the neck, I was like, that can't be right, but I think you're right. Yeah, he was, he was bleeding quite a bit. Because then later he's, like, totally fine and functional. Yeah, yeah, he recovered pretty quick. <laughs> so uh, so now everyone, like, you know, the five or six people who are in the hospital are kind of, like, panicking, like, who are all these, what, what, yeah, what, what's, 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 who's out there? And, and I think at this point they can see, like, a, a crowd of people in, like, white robes, like, standing outside, like, holding the place hostage in a way, and, like, everyone's kind of scared to get out there. And um, I think this is the part where the two guys from the beginning with with the gun in that house, uh, Vincent and his partner Simon, like break into the hospital and they're still chasing down that guy, uh, James, right? Yeah, yeah, they want to kill that guy who yeah. escaped and who the sheriff or deputy brought to the hospital. Yeah. And, and again, as the audience, you're like, oh, these are the two guys from the beginning who like killed that girl and like lit her on fire and like, you know, they... They're obviously, like, these bad guys that uh, are trying to, like, kill people, and they're, they're probably affiliated or something. Um, but they come in, and, and everyone's just kind of, like, screaming at each other. They want to, like, shoot him, and um, and uh, I think the, the, the James, like, the guy that they're after, he, like, somehow grabs a knife, and he's, like, holding the pregnant woman hostage. And then, uh, out of desperation, he stabs the, the doctor that's there, um, doc, Dr. Richard, and and he goes down. So I, I think at that point, like you assume, like he's killed Doctor Richard, and Richard is dead. And then uh, yeah. and then they quickly like grab James, like handcuff him to the uh, the to, to a wall. And they're still uh, they're still yelling back and forth with uh, with these two guys that have come in with guns. And then they hear like, uh, oh, no, you know, before James got out there, actually, actually, I, I forgot one part. I think we had a monster scene before this where oh yeah yeah you're right james is like still sedated in the room and uh and the state trooper and the and the deputy are talking and they hear him screaming and they run into that room and uh the nurse that had been killed has like her she's now like turned into this big tentacled monster with like multiple heads maybe um uh i don't know that she had multiple heads but yeah definitely tentacled monster and her head didn't look quite as human anymore oh uh, yeah something was like protruding in a few ways yeah, there are some protrusions. Yeah, so so they 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 like no one knows what's going on. They're like, oh my god, like where did this monster come from? Like what's what's going on? So they they get James out of that room, and after they get him out of the room, then the two guys come into the hospital with the guns and are trying to kill him. So like, there's just like everything like is going crazy in this hospital. There's like a crowd of people in in white robes outside. There's a, a monster that's like uh, in in one of these hospital rooms. There are these two guys that are just coming with guns that want to kill this one guy. And then, um, and then, uh, I think at this point, uh, they try to calm down the two guys and then the state trooper and the deputy are like, let's go kill this monster. So they walk into that hallway and somehow the monster kills the state trooper. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, and then they, they they don't, are they able to kill that monster? I'm not sure. Yeah. I think they finally kill it. Yeah. I think they're just like shooting it and hitting it with axes and stuff. Oh Yeah. So at this point, it's a deputy. It's the two guys who came in, Vincent and Simon, and they're all like just attacking this monster that 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 has grown out of Beverly's body. Um, but unfortunately, the the state trooper dies. So they've killed one monster. 
um, the uh, the one the doctor is dead. The doctor Mitchell's been stabbed, and he's and he's dead. Um, and these two guys are in there with with guns, and like they're they're still yanking each other. I'm not sure like uh, they've come to an agreement on like who each other is or what each other wants. There's like some trust issues going on here where the two guys with guns like obviously don't really really care about the people who are in there, and they just want to kill that one guy. But um, the the deputy and the nurses are saying you can't kill this guy. You know we're all just trying to survive in here. You, you got to wait. And and so there's like a lot of hostility going on towards each other, which I'm not sure I really understood why everyone was up in arms about each other. Did, did you get that? I think well, the one dude, Vincent, who is the older guy of the two guys who break into the hospital, who we saw at the beginning, was just a total asshole for yeah. the moment he came in. Yeah. And I think it's just because he's not trusting anybody and only looking out for himself at this point. Yeah. And based on the fact that Beverly turned into a monster, I think, at least for me, I was starting to think at this point, okay, there was something up at the beginning. They didn't just burn that woman. Yeah. Because they're evil. Like, they killed her for a reason, and they think they have to kill this other guy for a similar reason. So maybe these people have some sort of thing in common with the nurse who turned into a monster. Yeah. Okay. So like, like maybe it's like a contagious thing where you have to like burn bodies. Otherwise they turn into monsters or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, it, it felt like this guy, Vincent like knew something and, and he really didn't like want to be there with the people and saw them more as a threat than anything else. Yeah. But, and so him being an asshole made everybody, everybody else be an asshole. So nobody trusted anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And the deputy and, and uh, his ex-wife, the nurse, they're kind of like at the center of this, trying to keep everyone calm. Uh, but, you know, everything's going kind of weird. So then, uh, to kick it up to the next level, the girl who's pregnant suddenly starts uh, having these contractions. And she's in uh, a lot of pain. In that the... always kicks it up to the next level. <laughs> I know. Anytime you, your movie has a, a lull, just have someone go start having contractions. That typically works well. Yeah. Uh, so the nurse is like, you know, we, we have to get her pain medicine. Uh, you know, she's having a lot of pain and, uh, the contractions aren't far apart. Some, something, science, science, whatever. And, um, but the deputy's like, it's not safe for you to go into this other room and get the painkillers. You know, we, we need to go get it for you. And she's like, there's not enough time. And, and he's like, no, you know, I'm going to go run out to my car and get the gun. So he takes, uh, Vincent and Simon, the two other guys who broke into the hospital, uh, to run out to the car and get a shotgun. They do that, but like in the process of doing it, they're again attacked by all these uh, people in hoods. This was, I thought, a really cool scene when he like turns on the siren lights for the uh, police car and it reflects off of like this crowd of like people in, in those white hooded cloths or robes. That was, that was a beautiful shot. Yeah. Like all these people in the robes, they all raise their knives like partially at the same time. Oh, yeah. Which sounds like it could have been just like overly choreographed but yeah it was pretty creepy and then it's just like alternating blue and red light on them from the police sirens in the dark yeah and it was like a haunting image i thought that was really cool yeah that was a really done uh pretty pretty encapsulating scene i, I like that a lot yeah i feel like there were a few Let's moments see if i can find that image for our our uh, Ooh, for blog post about this one yeah that's a good one. That was one of the best ones. I, I mean, throughout this movie, I feel like there were some really cool scenes, uh, like in visuals like that, that I think they just kind of nailed it on things like that. Just uh, Yeah, they did a lot of stuff right in terms of making it scary and getting some good scary shots in there. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and this was one of those. 
so yeah so those guys go out there they grab that gun and and they run back in and uh i think the worst that happens is like one gets stabbed like with the uh in their hands and the deputy like shoots one of the white uh one of the white robed uh people down and and they make it back and now they have the shotgun but while they were gone i guess uh the nurse allison uh was it that was her name right allison yeah allison yeah. She uh she kind of took off to get the medicine because this uh the, the, this this woman who's having the contractions was having way too much pain, so she goes to get the medicine and she's grabbing the drugs and in the background suddenly you see that doctor that you know supposedly died and was stabbed like show up, and then the scene cuts. So mm-hmm. so these guys come back and the deputy's freaking out because Allison's gone, and he's like we got to go look for her. So uh so he goes. And he's accompanied by the two guys with guns, uh, Vincent and Simon, and they grab James because at this point they realize James was running because he knew something. And James kind of spills the beans, like, uh, uh, does, well, actually, I don't think he does it at this point. But um, I no, actually, so first, I think the deputy and these two guys are looking for uh, Allison in these rooms, and the phone starts ringing, and the deputy picks up the phone, and it's that doctor that uh, was supposed to be dead, uh, Doctor Richard. Yep. And Richard just starts like talking to him and he did a lot of talking and I don't know what, what was he saying? Was, I can't remember quite what he said. I think he said, um, that he knows that Daniel saw something. Daniel's the cop. Right. When he like passed out, like he could see it in his eyes that he saw something. Oh, okay. Yep. And what Daniel saw was like that other dimension. Yep. And he says, tells Daniel he could show him more. Yeah. And he says that losing his daughter changed him, but he's doing what he can to make it right. Yeah. And I can't remember if you mentioned, but we've learned at this point, I think, that Daniel and Allison lost a child. Yeah, you're right. That was uh, some I think it was, I don't know if it was a miscarriage or died right after it was born. Right. Yeah. That's part of the backstory and part of probably why they broke up. Yeah. Because of the death. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, I think he, the doctor references that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So so now basically you know that the doctor was behind uh, or has been playing like a significant role in like everything that's going on here in terms of you know, that monster coming out and uh, he, he's been up to something and, and, that, and that he has, uh, he's like basically kidnapped uh, his ex-wife, Allison, the deputy's yeah. ex-wife. And they find a box on the doctor's desk with some incriminating pictures in it. Oh, photos. Yeah. And one of them was a picture of the dude, the me- the supposed meth head who was running away at the very beginning of the movie and who Daniel brought to the hospital. Yeah, James, the guy that got handcuffed out there that these two guys were trying to kill. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, let's go talk to James. So they go talk to him and James... James like is like uh, he so James like James and what do you know about this uh, and and he's like uh, um, what does he say like he the, him and and this other girl that he was with like went to a house where all this like crazy stuff was going down and um, and basically like that's what he was running from um, I don't know if he yeah gave I can't details. even remember what he said but it was basically something to the effect of the doctor's got some sort of weird shit going on yeah yep. So they so they grab James and like all right you know we're we're gonna go explore like find find Allison and and kill this doctor and figure out what's going on. 
So uh, at this point, um, I think the four of them now head uh, to the basement. Do you know how they decided to go to the basement? I think that's where the storage room was, where Allison was going to get supplies for the pregnant girl. Oh, oh, okay. Got it. Sure. So they go to the basement, um, and while they're down there, it cuts to a scene of Allison where like she wakes up and she's like uh, strapped to a table. Um, and I think she's naked probably at this point. No, no, I don't think she's naked, but like, um, it looks like she's been operated on or something. And I think she's like in her underwear and yeah. Yeah. And the doctor's standing there, but all you see is his back. And again, he starts to go into some lecture about how he lost his daughter and like trying to figure out like how to, uh, bring her, his daughter back, et cetera, et cetera. And like kind of starting to relate it back to Allison and how she lost her baby. Um, anything else that he mentions that's of use here? I think that's it. Yeah. Basically, he's just saying, like, he's found a way that, uh, to, to get around death. And, and he's... Right, you know, and that he is going to bring his daughter back. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then, like, this is all happening while, like, the four guys are, like, in the basement looking around for her. And, um, I don't... I think they're, like, struggling and, you know, they're, they're radioing with the, uh, the pregnant woman and the uh, nurse upstairs like trying to get directed to where, where to go but it's like kind of in and out and they kind of find like a secret basement right yeah i feel like they stumble upon some rooms they didn't know were there yeah right and then they kind of go off the grid and into this place and uh um, yeah and at, is it at this part where uh they find that door with the black triangle on it i think so yeah yeah, it's interesting because I mean, this is a tough plot, man. There's there was so much going on in this movie. Yeah, I mean, basically, they they like uh, three storylines happening at this part. So, um, so one is like these guys downstairs. Actually, I'll come to that one at the end. The, the uh, one one of the plot lines going on is uh, upstairs where the nurse and uh, the pregnant woman is. Uh, the pregnant woman's just like in a lot of pain, and her dad is like telling the nurse, "You have to cut it out. You have to cut the baby out." And so you get the scene of her holding the knife and like ready to cut the stomach, which that was hard to watch. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. And she was the nurse. Kim was screaming. Yeah, she's just a trainee. She's really young. She doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah, exactly. So she has absolutely no idea here. Yeah, yeah, to- total uh, rookie here. She's never done this before and doesn't know what she's doing. Um, yeah, and it was so it was kind of tense because of that, like through Kim's eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and you're also hearing in the background, like windows breaking and like, you, you understand like the, all those people who are standing outside are starting to come into the hospital now. Uh, the, right. the, the white robed, uh, people. So, uh, so yeah, uh, she's about to cut, cut the stomach, but then, uh, suddenly the, uh, the, the girl like, uh, who's pregnant, like gets up and like stabs her father and, uh, and, and then, um, like joins the crew of like, uh, the people in the white robes. And she admits that like, she's been carrying around the doctor's baby and, uh, and she's there for, for that. Uh, and, and Kim's just like the, Kim, the nurse is just like freaking out and like, just like runs, like hides in a closet. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's about the story upstairs, right? Yeah. That about sums that up, yeah. which didn't make sense to me, but I figured maybe it would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it'll be explained later. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Allison, who's on the operating table, 
um, you know, with the doctor uh, talking, going on and on about how he's like figured out how to cheat death or, you know, bring his daughter back. Um, he turns around and his face is basically, he's basically cut off his face. And um, Allison realizes that like there's something like growing in her stomach. Um, and I think that was that scene. And then yep. the third storyline, which is, you know, the one that most uh, kind of the main storyline. So these four guys who are like now like, you know, running through the the basement, like trying to find Allison, they come to the store that has like a big black triangle on it. The same one that we've seen that is on the uh, on the face of these guys with the white uh, robes and they yeah. open it and go in and it's like a bunch of like monsters and they're like, these are all they, they they put together these are the experiments that this guy has been doing to kind of cheat death is that how you would explain it yeah some of them are like half monsters some of them look more like reanimated corpses mm-hmm. it's just a gory mess of weird creations in there yeah it's like a room full of them and and so it, it turns into like a brief battle where like they're like you know pushing these guys off or, or fighting with them uh these monsters and trying to escape and uh, I think in the pursuit, like uh, James, James, the the guy from the beginning who was on the run, um, he gets uh, abducted by one of these monsters. Uh, the deputy like uh, scrapes it out and, and gets away. The the two guys uh, who came in with the guns, uh, Vincent and uh, Simon, they kind of uh, go off in their own like little hallway and end up like fighting each other, which I didn't quite understand. Did you get that part? I think they kind of slipped into an alternate reality, which was a flashback oh. of something that had happened to them. I think they were father and son. Yeah, they never made that quite clear. That's interesting. They didn't. Yeah. But the flashback looked like it was some sort of family tragedy that they had just endured. Yeah, yeah. And or endured at some point. Yeah. Earlier in the movie, the dudes when the dude's being an asshole and you're like, what is up with this guy? Yeah. You see a little child's booty fall out of his pocket, and then he grabs it. Oh, yeah. What was that? And the only person to have seen it was Kim, the nurse. Yeah. And I think it was like, okay, this guy's got something going on, and it was kind of meant to be a little bit of an emotional attachment to him. Uh Like, okay, there's something more to this guy than just being a jerk. Yeah. (laughs) And I think in that flashback scene of a family tragedy, you see the woman, like a foot maybe a barefoot that, that booty was once on of, oh. like laying on the floor so maybe a, a dead child wow okay and, and so you think that was like so i think fight. there's a lot of themes there seems to be a theme about losing children in this yeah yeah oh my god yeah you're um, right because you got the doctor who's lost a daughter you've got these guys who had the miscarriage and then you think it was these guys uh this guy who lost a, a baby yeah interesting and i don't know if that meant like the dude the son was maybe a part of that cult and killed his family or had his family killed as a result of being a part of the cult or if they just, I don't know what happened there. Yeah. It was never explained. Yeah. I can't draw that connection either. And, and, uh, and then they just kind of come out of that flashback. Yeah. Then they just come out and, uh, and with like the, the dad, I guess, or whatever, like kind of apologizing. Cause like, uh, yeah. like I think they got in a fight in that flashback. So yeah, that, yeah. That was a, that was a weird uh, break in the in the story, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but meanwhile, the deputy now uh, he's like on his own. He finds the room where his ex wife was, and uh, he thinks it's her. But then he realizes that it's not her, and it's just like all these like tentacles now. 
and he like basically picks up this axe and just like starts going to town like killing it and there's like blood flying this was another cool scene where it showed him like behind like this uh foggy glass just like uh hammering away with an axe but that was pretty uh yeah it's pretty dark yeah the camera kind of like panned back yeah and yeah it was just like a hospital door with a circular window in it and you could just see through that foggy glass him swinging the axe yeah it's pretty cool yeah yeah that was pretty neat it's a good one um and then the deputy kind of goes into this other room where like there's some bodies uh like like almost like a morgue like covered in blankets and uh that he's still hearing the doctor's voice like talking to him and like explaining the doctor like gave like a big lecture i feel like through this movie like on, sure. on what's going on and it's like he's still like talking to him about like you know i've uncovered the way to get to past death and it's something i've been working on and blah 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 for a while um and so uh i think uh, at this point that the pregnant girl from upstairs who had admitted that you know she's carrying the doctor's baby walks in and like stabs the deputy from the back like puts an axe in him or something and uh she she now goes and like she's like ready to have the doctor's baby which is supposed to be the his daughter right a reincarnation or something yep but like yeah but like what pops out is like uh well actually first the doctor walks out and at this point he doesn't look like the doctor anymore he's like um he's just like completely black i guess right from like foot to bottom yeah like black flesh yeah black flesh right like totally flayed skin uh pretty gross looking and he walks out, uh, the girl's ready to give birth, but then, like, this, like, monster pops out of her, and, and that's, like, supposed to be his daughter now, and, uh, and, and this monster, like, uh, uh, that's, I mean, it was, it was a pretty, that was a pretty gross-looking monster, right? Yeah, and it, like, destroyed this girl as it came out of her. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge monster. Which we luckily didn't see too much of, but you just saw, like, blood splatter and enough to realize that... Yeah. She was gone. Yeah, yeah. Like she like she gave like a final scream and then Yeah. This this thing huge thing popped out. Um It was it was getting pretty gory here at the end between all those like Yeah weird reanimated corpses and stuff and this. Yeah, yeah, it was. This this that, that, there was a lot of gore going on here. Especially with the stabs, all the stabbing going on in the beginning. Uh, right, and the eye yeah, poking. The eyes, yeah. The face cutting, cutting off. Yeah. So tough one to watch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now, now there's this huge monster in the room and, uh, there's a doctor who's like, you know, in black skin pretty much or, or black, what flayed skin. Yeah. Yeah. In front of like, uh, uh, this big, like glowing triangle of like that black triangle that we've been seeing this whole time, but it's like kind of glowing. Um, and then, uh, the two guys come back into the room, uh, Vincent and Simon, and they like just start like shooting and like going to town on this monster. But, uh, basically the monster, I think kills uh vincent even though like while it's killing him he like throws gas on it and um and simon like throws a flare at it which like lights the whole thing on fire but somehow survives and then um meanwhile like the de- the deputy is like trying to you know get to the the doctor to like kill him and the doctor's like you know you can have your wife you can have your kid back you just have to let go which i wasn't sure what that meant exactly but instead of letting go, the deputy like grabs the doctor and like they push off into like the into the void that was uh, or the big triangle that was behind them into like this other dimension supposedly. And yeah, he like tackles him into the void. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so 
once they disappear in the void, like the whole thing kind of like the whole thing starts to like, collapse on itself. Like the the void closes, uh, all the all that the whole like basin like starts to kind of disappear. Like that dimension starts to go, and uh, the one guy who was like running from the monster, uh, uh, Simon, like he's suddenly like transported back and he's in the hospital now, up back upstairs, and all the cult figures are gone. Uh, Kim is like still in the closet, like freaking out, and and they find each other and like walk out, and it's like morning time. And then uh, the last thing you see is like the deputy and his wife, like on the other side, in like this other dimension, like holding hands, looking at this pyramid. And I think above them, like a spaceship is going on or something. Or what was that thing coming from the top? Yeah, I don't know. It was just like a big black thing filling the sky. I don't know if it was a cloud or a spaceship. Yeah. But this and the black pyramid that they're standing in front of is the black triangle. We've been seeing the whole movie. Yeah. Right. I have no idea what this meant. Yeah. Well, you have any theories? My theory is that the movie tried too hard to be too many things. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely <laughs> no, that. I don't really have... I mean, the doctor was found a way to cheat death, but it was like bringing people back to life as monsters <laughs> from another dimension, from hell. Yeah, yeah. And he's got this huge cult following him. I don't know how or why he did it. I mean, I know why he did it. It was all to bring his daughter back. But why would you want your daughter back as a monster? Yeah. Is that really back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it just made... I don't know. Sometimes I wonder to the listener, like when we explain the plot, are they like, oh, okay, well, sounds pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's hard to capture how confusing some of these movies are to actually watch. Yeah. And, and this one, I mean, this uh, is just hard to narrate, too. I mean, I'm, I'm sure this is a, a oh, tough yeah, one for everyone for to sure. follow. Yeah. Um, and it just, it didn't make sense. There were so many unanswered questions. Yeah. Yeah. And at the beginning, they say, I can't remember if you mentioned this, but the cop was bringing that guy to the hospital, and she's he's talking to dispatch and the lady at dispatch says okay i'll call it into the hospital and she never did and that was kind of a plot point that they never really exposed but he got here he got to the hospital and was like she didn't call it in oh yeah so that was like oh so maybe she's part of the doctor's cult yeah and the hospital was working on a skeleton crew because there was a fire there yeah a few weeks ago and Later, it was revealed that the fire was a result of the doctor's experiments and these people. Right, right. I, yeah, I mean, that, 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 so, that's a really good point. I, you know, I, I think why that call didn't come through, though, in thinking about it, like, when he gets there, um, remember, like, uh, when, when he, like, tries to call for backup or for help, like, all, like, radio is, like, pretty much dead. Like, none of the phones there are working. He goes to his car. The radio is dead. Um, he has, like, no, like, way of, like, making communication with the outside world. So somehow, like, that hospital had, like, fallen to, into this, like, off-the-radar type place. Yeah, I mean, the doctor may have cut those cords. Cut cords or even, like, airwaves somehow. I, th- I think it was more, like, dimensional. But I, huh. I, I don't know. And then what happened to the cult at the end? Like, where, where did they just disappear to? Right. Did they disappear? Were they from another dimension? I just thought they were people who were cultists yeah that's what i thought too why would they just be gone once the doctor was pushed into the void yeah yeah and then why did that pregnant girl like 
Did she die during childbirth but then come back from the dead, possessed and stab her dad? Oh, yeah, right, right, yeah, because her eyes close and, and she's gone for a minute. And then suddenly she's back. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There are just so many open questions to me. Yeah, I mean, this, this movie really didn't add up for, as, like, a cohesive story. And it, like, stopped being something you cared about. There were a lot of characters, and you were supposed to care the most about Daniel, the cop, but... Yeah. I think you did at the beginning, but then it just got so convoluted and lost focus. Yep. Yeah. Um, and turned into this gory monster movie that I didn't really care by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. And and I didn't think the dialogue either was, like, too crazy. Or, like, the interaction between the 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 characters. Like, you kind of started to hate all the characters because uh, th- there was, like, so much distrust and animosity between them. They are all just kind of, like, shouting at each other the whole time. Uh, there weren't, like, a lot of relationships who were bought into in this movie. Yeah, and then the only two people that that survived were two of the smallest characters. Like, they had the fewest lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They weren't important, so... Yep. <laughs> it was just weird. Yeah. They should have focused on those two more. Yeah. Because they were actually kind of likable compared to the rest of the people. Yeah, I mean, because, like, they had, like, the least amount of lines or screen time, <laughs> so you actually... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but th- that is weird. Like that, I didn't necessarily think the acting was bad or anything. It just, yeah, I th- none of the characters seemed to matter to me. Yeah, I th- I thought the dialogue could have been a little bit better, and that's a good point you bring up. That like, because I-, I thought the the two people who survived at the end, the the nurse and uh, Simon, like they had the least screen time, least underdeveloped characters, but somehow like they're the two that come out at the end. Like I was kind of wondering like why they were even even like in that movie. Uh, was it just so that you could have survivors at the end? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there were some people in the movie just to add to the body count. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I think they should have cut back on some of the characters. I feel like you could even get rid of the cop as a character. Yeah. And scrap that like drug dealer dude who the cop brought into the hospital at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And just make it about this pregnant woman in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And somehow, and still have the father and son come there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That would have been a good movie on its own right there. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think too many characters going into this with like their own like backstories somewhat. Um, but it's an interesting tie that you found uh, in that they all like might have had like some kind of loss of a child thing. And that somehow ties to this idea of like the, the void. Maybe that's left behind when you lose a child or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was intense and scary, though, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I thought most of the intenseness was more just found, like, the gore factor, but did you, you found it, like, scary? I found the beginning scary. It was about halfway through the movie that it slowly started to fall apart for me. Yeah. But, like, that scene with the nurse, we keep saying the nurse, there was a few of them, but um, Beverly, who like poked out the eyes and started cutting off her face and said, this isn't my face, mm-hmm. like, that was undeniably a creepy scene, and I thought the white cloaks standing in the siren, light of the police sirens was very creepy. Yeah, yeah. So stuff like that really had my attention, and yep. I was expecting a lot, kind of. Not a lot, but yeah, I was excited about the movie. Yeah, me too. I, I think those two were really cool scenes. I think I was more interested in in those kind of uh, scare points than the the monster or the the whole gates of hell opening thing. 
Yeah, so it was cool that it kind of was a monster movie too, and I don't have anything against the monster movie, but it kind of set up all this eeriness and then turned it into like a gore-fest monster movie instead of following up on the... I don't know. Yeah, some of the the, the earlier components that it had. I I think it... Yeah, yeah, like I guess they did, but like the white cloaks didn't really end up mattering that much. Yeah. Yeah, and they made no sense by the end of the movie. Right, and then like a creepy person who's possessed and starts stabbing people isn't quite as scary as if they just turn into a tentacled monster. Right, yeah, yeah. Like it got rid of some of the ominous dread and yeah, um, unexpectedness and wondering what was going on with that person. Yeah, I agree. So it's, it's almost like the first half hour of this movie was like a great like setup and a, a good movie had like some good elements and scares. But then it kind of got like too big, too quick, and like almost like over bloated after that. For sure. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of movies. Like the setup can be, not that it's easy, but you can perk somebody's interest, but then you have to either explain it or not explain it without pissing the viewer off. Yeah. Like you have to find the right balance. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was one of like the worst parts of this movie is like how much that doctor was like talking at the end, like trying to explain like what he was doing or what he was up to. Like there was just, there was like maybe like 10 minutes of him just like talking uh, about like what he's doing or his master plans. Yeah. It was almost like that stereotypical like eighties and nineties action movie rant by the villain yeah. where he's like talking for too long so that, yeah. And that becomes his downfall. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what this was basically. <laughs> and he was like trying to explain everything, but at the same time, nothing was explained. I know. That was the worst part. I feel like he kept like repeating the same thing over and over again. And the more he talked, yeah. the less sense it made. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's some foundational issues with the, the storyline here. Uh, maybe they packed in way too much. Um, but yeah, I, f- I think so. I feel like where this movie was strong was the, the visuals, where they had some great scenes and great elements. And I thought the music was really good. Um, you know, after it was over, I realized I had no idea what the music was. Oh, really? Like, I'm not as good as that, as good at that as you are, like, picking the music out of it. I just get so wrapped up in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- sometimes that's a good thing. Like, sometimes it's good that if it, if it is good music, you shouldn't, like, it shouldn't, like, stick out. But uh, th- this one, it had, like, a kind of It Follows vibe where it was, like, a lot of synth-heavy stuff with, like, really loud noises that would, like, come in. Um, so I, I, I like, I like the music a lot. I think some of the directors or producers were involved with coming up with the music as well. Okay. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. Um, any, anything else you liked or didn't like here? No, I think that about sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. So basically we have no idea what happened <laughs> and <laughs> they, they did way too much. We have no idea what happened. The story didn't make sense. Yeah. But it was still kind of scary sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, what, what would you give this? How many, um, let's see, how many, I guess, uh, bloody baby shoes would you give this? Oh, God. Yeah, I got dark. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'd still give it a three just because wow. I really was enjoying the first half of it. And I watched it in parts I didn't watch it all at once so I like had the experience of watching half of it then walking away and for like an entire day thinking it was a good movie yeah (laughs) and then when I came back I just didn't really like it anymore so yeah three 
basically because of that stuff I said earlier about how creepy some of those scenes were. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty generous, given like the like the conversation we just had. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. What about you, man? I, I think I I might have to go like two and a half. Um, you know, the I, I I didn't I didn't find it. I think the plot was like too heavy here, too confusing, and I, for that 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 took away some of the scariness of it for me. And but like so many great ideas, I feel like this could have made like three or four great movies. But it didn't. Right. It didn't all have to be uh, be in this one. Yeah, yeah. The pieces were there. They just, I think they put too many pieces in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Um. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the next move is on on this production company. Like, do they stick with the serious side, or do they, uh, yeah, go back to doing what they do with the horror comedy action combos? Um. Do you think you don't think they were setting it up for a sequel at the end? Do you? I don't think so. I think it was, you know, it's funny because like if it's open ended, it's there's usually room for a sequel. But this was so open ended that it was just confusing. I don't think anybody like wants to find out more. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think this is like where you want to like stop showing. Yeah, you just want to call it a day. But I would be interested to see what these guys do. I think they could pull off a really well done serious movie. Yeah, uh, they just kind of got it wrong a little bit here i'd be interested to watch like father's day or some of their earlier stuff yeah, too. manborg that's a good name yeah <laughs> i feel like a manborg sometimes you are yeah <laughs> uh, all right well cool anything else to mention or anything else for the listeners that's all i got all right well that, 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 that's been a fun fun one uh i'm excited to hear about what uh what, what's our next uh, canadian horror film we uh, watch and, and how it holds up uh, on, on the great great films we're seeing so far. And we can if we can put our finger on what makes it so Canadian. Yeah, I know <laughs> we're going to nail it one of these days. <laughs> well, everyone, thanks thanks for joining us and uh, thanks for being a part of this episode. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today about the void. And uh, if you want to join our discussion, we encourage you to follow Horror Movie Club podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're at at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter. Or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. And be sure to check out Facebook or Twitter for next week's movie in case you want to watch it before the next episode. And as always, our logo is done by Amy May, Pay- Amy May Pop Art. So be sure to check her out on Etsy.com. Uh, until next time, if you have an idea for a movie that sounds like you have like four or five movies, maybe thinking about taking baby steps and making one movie at a time rather than combining it all. Good advice. Yeah. Maybe the directors can step into a void, go back in time, hear this episode, (laughs) and make one great movie. Yeah, exactly. Can you do that in the void? Is time travel a part of it? Who knows, man? Nothing makes sense. Yeah, I know. Everything's on the table.